several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow And it is time for your weekly grape encounter. And I don't normally like to say, hey, go grab a pen and a piece of paper while listening to the show. I'd rather you just grab a glass of wine. But we're going to be talking about so many things on this show. I don't know how we're going to cover all the ground that we're going to cover. Uh, We're going to start off with somebody that I am so pleased to have on the show. Let's go around. I have somebody who's a writer, a blogger, a speaker, a philosopher. It just goes on and on. It's Elaine Chacon Brown. She's with JancisRobinson.com. We'll talk about that as well, but she has written for Wine and Spirits magazine, World Defined Wine, Decanter, The Rob Report, Men'sHealth.com, Guildsom.com, Wine Business Monthly, San Francisco Magazine, Noble Rod. It goes on and on. She was a contributor to the multi-award winning fourth edition of the Oxford Companion in Wine. She has spoken around the world, began as a salmon fisherman in Bristol Bay, Alaska, has trained camels, and I'm so happy to have you on, Elaine. Thanks for joining us. I am so excited to finally meet you. Thank you for having me. We originally had you on because we're talking about somewhat today, California Wine Month, which is coming up next month. There's so much else I want to talk about because you have some very deep and I think interesting thoughts about wine trends. So there's a lot we ought to be doing that we're not doing when it comes to wine. Your wine life is what's most important to me, more than tasting notes, more than anything else. Elaine, when did you get into wine? I didn't grow up with wine at all. I grew up in Alaska at a time when there wasn't very much wine coming into the state. And so once a month, my parents, my sisters, and I would go out to dinner at Hong Kong Chinese food restaurant on Spinard Road in Anchorage, Alaska, and my mom would order a glass of plum wine. And growing (laughs) up, that was the extent of my exposure to it. And it kind of created this sense that it was a really special thing, and it was a thing to be sort of enjoyed in a happy moment. But then it wasn't until I hit legal drinking age that I also was living in an area where there was more wine available. And a friend took me out to dinner and ordered a really nice bottle of Premier Cru Burgundy. And that was the first time I put my nose in a glass and instantly got why people love wine. Most people started with Boone's Farm, Strawberry Hill. Well, I assumed it's not polite for me to talk about my 16-year-old experiences in the woods of the Alaskan mountains, so I kind of jumped over that part. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to promote anything that's illegal. That's, that's, that's right. For sure. So you started off big, and so a light went on in your head. Yeah, it was really, it's just that classic story where the second I put my nose in that glass, I caught something there that I just was blown over by. Really, honestly, every glass of wine I've had since I've at least glimpsed that moment, it really just sort of changed my perspective on what wine is and what it can feel like to love it. And 
so from then on, I really just wanted to understand and kind of started studying wine. And I, you know, enjoy a glass and really want to know as much as I could about it at the same time. Let me get the timing right in your life here for a second, because you went away to school. I guess you studied philosophy. Yeah, I used to be philosophy faculty, actually. Yeah. So I did doctoral work in McGill in Montreal and then realized I really liked teaching at the state level. So I took a faculty job at Northern Arizona University. So is this concurrent with your learning more and more about wine or does wine come later? It's concurrent. One of the things I like to joke about is really serious philosophers have only time for one hobby. But I actually had a kid, so I didn't have time for a hobby, but you always have to eat. And if you have to eat, you have time for a glass of wine. That is true. Now, there certainly are some connections, I think very strong connections, by the way, and we've talked about this on the show, between philosophy and wine, poetry and wine. How does that figure into your wine writing and how you see wine today? The thing about philosophy that really compelled me was that it was really this opportunity for greater clarity. And with greater clarity, I could have clearer experience to and really enjoy whatever it was I was doing. But the thing about it as, a, as an occupation or a moment of study is that it never ends. You'll never have finished your work as a philosopher. And that really calms down my perfectionist tendency. If there's no hope of completion, then I can't be a perfectionist. I can just be driven. And the thing about wine is that it's all about experience. So that kind of clarity of experience that I learned from philosophy, I can just really bring to wine to enjoy those pure, joyful moments of being with friends and sharing that glass like I talked about. And then at the same time, there's always going to be more happening with wine. There's always going to be more to learn with wine. And so you can really choose, like, do I want to know more or do I just want to enjoy a glass and different kinds of things? I love that freedom. And like philosophy, you'll never know everything about wine. It's yeah, just, exactly. You're never going to try every wine in the world. It's never going to happen, no matter what. And if you could do that, they're still making more wine in different ways with new techniques and interesting grapes and combinations combinations, things like that. It's never ending. It's just, it, it's Absolutely. impossible. It's impossible to get through it. And that's why there, there probably are millions of people now writing about wine. And all over the world in lots of different languages. I have friends that I've met on travels and I can't even read their work because it's in a language I don't speak or read. That's kind of exciting, you know, so I have to, I have to save my interest and chat with them, you know, in person. But it's just, I love knowing that so many people are, are so invested in really growing what we know. And, you know, if there's a region I want to learn more about, I can call up a friend on the other side of the world and they're going to know more about it. You speak all over the world. You've, what's the most important message that you take to seminar or symposium? If you could leave the world with anything, what would the most important thing be? Love what you love and share it with the people that make you happy. I think that really absolutely is what it comes down to. Just that really simple freedom. Just love what you love and share it with the people that make you happy. That's that whatever you're doing, whether it's wine or something else, I just think that's the most important thing. Let's talk about California for a second. I always feel guilty on this show because the dominating place that we seem to talk about is California. Of course, I live in California wine country, but the Central Coast wine country. But 90% of the wine consumed, the domestic wine consumed in America comes from California. It's just one of the top producers in the world. Yeah, well, California is the fourth largest producer of wine in the world. No, it's just, it's, it's just remarkable. It's, it, it, it's crazy um, Amazing. It seems to me that the rest of the country needs to make the decision to come here and really experience wine in its uh, native home because 
it's probably going to be so eye-opening to people who are used to drinking mass-produced wine and have been told that this is what wine is and never get access to what we're so blessed to have on a daily basis here. So California Wine Month, I think, is an interesting event. Have you participated in it before? What I love about California Wine Month is just the real mix of activities. You know, you could go to a serious seminar if you want. You could just do a walk-around tasting. There are food and wine meals with chefs and winemakers. And then there's a lot of really fantastic charitable fundraiser events that sort of bring all those things together. So I love that it's a celebration of California wine, but it's really about extending that to serve the larger community in a very in a variety of ways as well. There is an endless list of things that wineries do for California Wine Month, and it goes up and down the state. One of the first events, my favorite event, is coming up. I am so excited. Elaine, have you been to Wine Song? I haven't been yet, but what I have heck? heard it's so much fun, and that's such a great example of they raise money for the local hospital there, yeah. and it's had a huge impact on healthcare in the Mendocino community. The wine community probably does more for, for charity than almost any industry that I can think of. Dollar for dollar, when you consider how much the industry is worth, how much it makes, and how much it raises for charities, it's just crazy. And that event's getting close to raising a million dollars a year now. I've been involved for the last three years. It's coming up the first weekend in September. It's my favorite wine event, and I've been to wine events all over the world, but it's my favorite because of the size, the quality of the wine there, the content there, the food there, the entertainment there. It's just manageable. Sometimes events get completely out of control or they're just too small. They don't have a really good quality base of winemakers there because they can't get them there. But Wine Song gets the best of the best. Well, and there's a great Pinot tasting there too, isn't there? Oh yeah. Part of it? It's the day before. It's on uh, Friday. And, mm-hmm. and I've been there as well. And it's just, uh, well, that's Pinot country for sure. You know, we're talking about the Anderson Valley. You know, if you want great Pinots from California, a place that's less recognized around the country, but should be recognized as being one of the best Pinot producers in the world. There's so much good Pinot there, and there's great sparkling wine from that area as well, and really lovely white wines, too. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Elaine, I'm inviting you to Wine Song. Thank you. No, I'll buy you a ticket. I will. That's amazing. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk about that offline. Hey, we're talking to Elaine Chacon Brown. She has got one of the most interesting wine histories I have ever seen. She's got her fingers in so many pies. I don't even know how you do, Elaine, all the things that you do, but you're one busy person. I just really try and stay joyful and stay active and then lie down as much as possible. And that's that's the extent of my <laughs> Lie down as much as possible. I love I, that. I like to joke that's my hobby. People like to say, what do you do when you're not working? And I first I get confused <laughs> and then I realize they think I sometimes don't work. And the only answer I can give them is I lie down. That's I'm my hobby. Gonna, I lie down gonna, when I'm talk. We're going to talk about that when we come back. <laughs> I'm Grape Encounters uh, with Elaine Chacon Brown. Uh, what a pleasure to have her on. And so much more. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. The best way to avoid spitting wine is to avoid wines unworthy of being swallowed. David will be right back in a spit second. Oops, my bad. Make that split second. Before we continue with the show, I want you to do yourself a favor. Write down two words or get Siri or Alexa to remember them for you. The words are peak, P-E-A-K-E, ranch. Over the past 10 years, my product endorsements are few and far between. 
That's because I'm not just a wine talk show host. I'm also a wine critic and a wine judge. The Wines of Peak Ranch would easily win a gold medal for me in the blind tasting. They're a small boutique label making wines from grapes grown on one of California's most legendary properties. The Pinots, Chardonnay, and Syrah will blow your mind. Log on to peakranch.com, read their story, and buy a bottle or two or three. Each varietal is a masterpiece. Get yours at peakranch.com. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. Hey, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. I've told you probably, must be a hundred times, you know, if you want great advice about wine, then find a wine expert to follow that really gives you good advice. You know, check out their recommendations, check out their ideas that they give you. Elaine Chacon Brown is one of those people who is very, very accessible online in lots and lots of places. And she's been acknowledged for an amazing body of work, including recently the fourth edition of the Oxford Companion to Wine. Elaine, what was your role there? So I contributed three different pieces. It's an unbelievably extensive encyclopedia, essentially, for wine information. And Jancis Robinson, and Julia Harding, they're both masters of wine out of the UK. They lead that project to do a significant amount of the writing, but certainly all of the editing. The fourth edition for the first time has an entry on social media, and so I wrote that and then helped contribute to several other entries as well. With so many bloggers out there writing about wine, how do you filter through all the junk that's out there on wine versus the kind of things that you're writing about? How does somebody choose a wine guru online? Well, just do they make sense to you is really the most important first question. You know, do you respond to their writing? Is it something you enjoy? Just start there. Stick to them if, if you do enjoy it. And sometimes those people recommend other articles or other writers to read, and that could be a great way to find more, too. You know, when you're going to blow, let's say, $40 on a bottle of wine and somebody's recommending that bottle and you don't know, you know, it sounds good, but you don't know that for sure. No, you can find yourself laying out a, a considerable amount of money before you zero in on somebody that you really trust. You know, every time they make a recommendation, I'm not saying just one person, but people yeah. that you trust and you could take the recommendation. I always think that you should, like in medicine, you should get a second and even a third opinion. So if you're considering making wine purchases, I mean, we think through spending 40 or $50 if it's some other consumer product and we'll give it great consideration with wine. We tend to be quick with the dollar. And I think if you take a couple of minutes and then you Google that wine or that event or whatever it might be, you can get that second opinion and then go spend your money. Absolutely. But the other thing though is it's great to build a relationship with a retailer or with a sommelier at a restaurant. If there's a restaurant you really like going to and they have a wine service person or there's a shop that you're visiting and really connect to that retailer, those are even better places to really get great advice because you can build that relationship in person. You can tell them these are other wines I've liked and based on that, they can say, oh, you might consider this wine then exactly. and ha- you know, have that conversation and really grow it over time and, and learn what kinds of things that shop or that restaurant likes to bring in and see if that's what you relate to or not. So there's one thing you may not know about me. After we moved up here to wine country, my wife and I, we decided that we wanted to build a brick and mortar wine shop, a tasting room carrying many, many wines from around the world. Yeah. 
Fantastic. So that we could share with our listeners, this could be a place for our listeners to come to, kind of a clubhouse, to just get into the kinds of wines that I talk about. I do something that's pretty unusual. I don't know that anybody else does it, but when somebody comes in and they're looking for a wine, the first thing I say is, don't tell me what you like. And then I ask them about 20 questions about their life. What mo- oh, other stuff instead. What, yeah, what, what movie have you seen three times? Yeah. What color is your car? Right. If I go into your car and I turn on the radio, what's going to be on the radio? Things about their personality. If I can ask you even 10 questions, I'm going to be able to go find the right wine for you. I'm going to have to come into your shop and test you. I would love to see you do this in person. That just sounds like a lot of fun. And it's a... It's a great way for somebody to kind of surrender the experience and see how it goes a little bit. I have had internationally renowned psychologists come in and uh-huh. test me. I, uh-huh. I have never once missed, never, never, never. Now, I'm never going to miss with you because I got a feeling that you're going to find something valuable in every wine. My goal with that is to find the perfect wine for you. I'll give you a secret and tell you I love sparkling wine. Well, you're not supposed to tell me that. I know. Right, I know. That, I can't even help it, though. I really love sparkling all right, wine. That's, that's going to take us into trends, okay? That's great. Okay, sparkling wine, huge trend right now, right? Absolutely. And I think that it's just so much fun because one of the things that's happening with it is people are making sparkling wine from unexpected varieties. And in California, there's been just this explosion of people feeling free to experiment with these different varieties. And and so with sparkling wine, you can absolutely find the classics with sparkling wines made from Pinot or Chardonnay, but there's wonderful sparkling Rieslings. There's people making sparkling wine from Grenache or Carignan, which are, yeah. you know, other French varieties that, that are less common. And it's, it's just really fun. And other thing, too, is there's a real range in quality. So there's people making high-end sparkling wines really built to age and have incredible complexity that really want to be a meal. And then there's other ones that are really made to pop open at the picnic and drink as you grill up some things for the barbecue and and just have fun with too, which I just love. I think it's really important to remember too that if you're not a Pinot lover, and Elaine, I hate to say it, but Pinot, not my favorite varietal. Well, a lot of people, you know, it's not everybody's favorite. And that's why I was saying earlier, I think the most important thing to is enjoy what you enjoy. And the reason I bring that up is if if you're not a Pinot lover, that might be part of the explanation as to why you don't like champagne. But you like the bubbles, but you don't like the taste. And that's because the lion's share of it is made from Pinot or similar grapes. So we change gears and we try sparklings that are made from grapes that you're more familiar with or that you like, and you're going to be really super happy. Absolutely. It's really fun to explore that, I think, right now. One more trend. Rosé. Rosé is another great example (laughs) of something where people are really exploring a lot of varieties. There's Again, there's been a lot of rosé made from Pinot Noir. If you love Pinot, you're going to love those rosés, a lighter expression of the variety. If you don't, rosé from Syrah is fantastic. Rosé from Grenache is fantastic. A little more spice and body to those. But then there's also people making rosé from Cabernet, and then really unusual, unexpected Italian varieties. And so there's just an explosion of rosé, rosé that does well in winter, in summer, again, picnic or dinner, like just a huge range of possible expressions there. On the subject of rosés, it's funny because it used to be one of the smallest categories that a retailer had. You know, now it's exploded because there are just as many rosés out there as there are red wines or white wines. It's crazy. And if you think, if you're still one of those people holding on to the misconception that rosé means white Zinfandel, you're not even close. No, we've moved so far beyond that. Yeah, there's just such an 
incredible range. And the truth is that there's there's always been rosé made in a range of styles all over the world. It's just that we finally have the opportunity here in the United States to like sell enough rosé that winemakers and wineries can really explore that range of styles and deliver rosés that work for different occasions, for different types of food, different times of day, different times of the year. It's really a lot of fun. The good news about rosé is the prices have not caught up with the quality yet. So yeah, you can you great. can make a great deal on a rosé. You're getting just uh, incredible wine. We're going to be back in just a second to talk more with Elaine Chacon Brown. Wow, what an interesting conversation. We could go 10 shows with you, Elaine. Thank you so much for being <laughs> with us you. today. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. People sometimes say it's the wine talking. Well, everyone knows that wine can't talk. That's why a bunch of grapes got together and hired David Wilson to do the talking for them. <laughs> David will uncork today's story after this. He's setting down the wine glass and picking up the microphone. Here's your Grape Encounters host, David Wilson. Hey, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio and talking a little bit longer with Elaine Chacon Brown. Elaine is uh, or serves as the American specialist at JancisRobinson.com. Tell me everything that uh, Jancis Robinson does. It is a really informative site, so you get at least two articles a day, and she has a few of us, about a handful of specialists all over the world, and then also a handful of columnists, and then, of course, her own writing. And so you're getting a mix of wine news, wine reviews, wine trends from different parts of the world, in-depth reporting on specific subjects that are sort of more pertinent and more, you know, bigger drivers in the industry, so a whole mix of things. So that's a good place for somebody to make that your homepage. Yeah, I think if you want to really kind of geek out on what's going on with wine all over the world, chancesrobinson.com is a great place to do that. All right. Hey, let's go back to uh, California Wine Month again. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm going to be at Winesong first weekend in September. It's the event of all events. You know, the people come from all over the world to do that. I think it's safe to say, isn't it, that no matter where you are in the world, it makes sense to come out to California. The information that you want for for California Wine Month is at discovercaliforniawines.com. And it's all through September. There's no way that I could possibly go through the list of the events, but there's just so many events at wineries. I'm talking about really, really cool stuff, really cool festivals, really cool opportunities. I forgot to ask you something, Elaine. You were a camel trainer. I was. It's actually my favorite job I've ever had. I worked with exotic animals for four years. I was part of an animal therapy program for physically disabled people. And so I was able to work with students, do a ranch maintenance, dig ditches, help birth animals, unfortunately sometimes bury animals as well, fed stock, trained birds, trained camels. It was just really such a special opportunity. The reason I bring that up is I, I went through the list. It's the only thing I couldn't find touring wine country by camel. Well, I actually, for a while when I was doing that, I actually trained llamas for packing. 
So we, um, the llamas, we ended up having a llama safari for a while where you could schedule a lunch llama excursion and you would be able to lead your own llama and the llama would carry your lunch for you out into the redwoods and then you all would, you know, pick your camp spot and sit down and take a rest, enjoy lunch and the llama would have carried its own hay snack and I just think we should just work out something like that for wine country too. It'd be a lot of fun. We talked about sparkling. We talked about rosé. Anything else uh, that you see out there as being a trend ready to explode? Well, one of the things we talked about too is just people exploring unusual varieties. Yes. I think though that there's also sort of broader range of style in the classic varieties. And so there's a real opportunity to do something like revisit Cabernet Sauvignon and see that there's actually a whole range of expressions there too. So there's sort of this reinvigoration of the classics happening at the same time as people pushing the boundaries of these unusual varieties. And part of what's shifting the style of the classics is that we're also exploring new places to grow them, you know, and so our understanding of best place to grow grapes and best ways to grow grapes is changing, and that's helping to change the style of wine, too. If somebody that, let's say, under 35 or even 40 comes into our wine shop and I say, you got to try Tanat, you know, yeah. which is which is one of my absolute yeah. favorite varietals, they're on it. But if somebody that's a little older is pondering the question of whether or not they want to try Tanat, there's going to be more resistance. And I think yeah. so much right now of the openness to new varietals is coming from millennials and Gen X. Yeah, I absolutely, I think so. There's a real sense of those generations wanting to explore and kind of imagine the world in a new way and doing that by tasting all kinds of different foods. You know, we're seeing huge changes in the food industry too, and just as such a boom in local foods and farm to table type concepts, and that's showing up in wine. You know, people want to know who made their wine. The fantastic thing about social media happening alongside these things is the wineries and winemakers have their own social media accounts. And so if you do realize you love a wine, you can get online and you can follow them. Like what you were talking about earlier with following a wine expert, you can follow a winery or winemaker too, or, you know, or your wine shop or, you know, whoever your restaurant wine service person is, sommelier too. Which reminds me that another trend that is out there that makes wine so much more interesting, gives you so many more pairing options. It's been a trend for quite a while now, but I think a lot of people are really warming up to the idea of blends. And I'm not talking about the classic blends. I'm talking about blends that are so far off the wall that you could hardly believe that putting this wine with this one and this one together could make such an incredible wine. Yeah, there's people experimenting even with like blending red grapes with white grapes. And the thing is that that's been done in parts of the world for a long time. And, you know, the Northern Rhone in France, there's been a longstanding tradition of putting a little bit of white wine in with the red wine, but there's just this real sense of experimentation with that now. Like you said, just unexpected varieties, putting them together and some even red and whites in the same wine. That's something that we do, by the way, in the wine bar is we create blends from single varietal wines from around the world and we blend them in front of our visitors, create unique wines. We call it Vinthesis. Uh Well, what a fun experience for people there in the wine bar, especially if you can taste the wines on their own and then see how the impact of the blend. Yes, yes, they get to taste the wines first, yeah, um, individually, absolutely. and each as, as the wines go into the blend, because we want them to see that yeah. uh, if we take four good wines and we put them together and we create something that is even more exciting, perhaps, it's not parlor magic. I just think it's 
the more we can do to help people feel free in exploring what they love about wine and really seeing that it's their experience and it's for them to be happy and enjoy the better. Any more trends you want to throw at us that you think would be interesting? Two things that are I find really exciting and, and fulfilling about working in wine is that I really see a push towards greater in- interest in sustainability and as part of that really an interest in supporting workers' health. You know, wine is made first in the vineyard and the vineyard workers' role is absolutely crucial to being able to get wine in the bottle. And I'm just thrilled that there's a greater awareness in supporting their health and and making wines that really directly help support that. I have a wine that we carry here by a producer uh, called Caliza, which is really one of the best wineries here on the Central Coast. And they make some incredible blends. Price on those are, you know, typically $70 plus, but they have a, a less expensive but of equal quality wine called End of the Day. And guess what? Proceeds go to the workers. I love that. There's a lot of wines right now being made as as fundraisers for different causes and especially for, you know, workers' health and workers' sustainability. And I just really love that that's happening in wine today. And, and if you don't think that happy workers translates into better wines, you're wrong. Because no, the, the skilled labor that goes into the vineyard is absolutely essential to making a high-quality wine. And the happier the worker, the more deft their, their ability and their execution of that work in, in the field. So it's it's great to see that. Well, listen, Elaine, uh, for, for people who would want to uh, follow you, want to find out more information about you, who would want to put you on their home page and wake up to uh, you on the computer instead of politics. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't. You brought up politics. I, we agreed. We made an agreement. You broke it. I know, but it was but it was in everybody's best interest. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I recommend at looking at, at really goofy animal photos <laughs> to wake up. Oh, by the way, you mentioned something, too, that I, I, I said I was going to come back to, so I have to do this really quick. You said when you're not working, you're, you're napping. Is that true? No, I didn't say I'm napping. I said I'm lying down. Oh, you're My lying life down. goal is to lie down as often as possible. <laughs> okay. I fit it into as much of my day as I can. That's interesting. I, I actually, mid-afternoon, I take a power nap. Well, it's good. I take a power nap when I can. I admit, though, sometimes I can't because you were saying you don't know how much how I get so much work done. Well, my brain is kind of on the go a lot, and sometimes it has places to be even when the rest of me would rather not go with it. So the best I can do is lie down and let my brain happen, and, and I'll just lie there. And then sometimes I'm actually able to fall asleep, too. But the goal is not napping. That's too much pressure. The goal is just to lie down. I figure you should have one easily accomplished goal per day because it makes you feel better and then that supports you getting other things done. My easily accomplishable goal is to lie down as often as possible. I like that. And I have to do that, by the way, often when I go to a big wine tasting. I got to lie down. I got to lie down. All right. It's uh, Elaine Chacon Brown. You can find her. I guess best place is, is it Jancis Robinson or no, you have... uh, you have your own site. Yes, yeah, so if you search Elaine Chacon Brown, the middle name is C-H-U-K-A-N Brown. You can also find me on JancisRobinson.com. That's J-A-N-C-I-S Robinson.com. And then if you are on social media, look for Hawk Waka Waka. Hawk underscore W-A-K-A-W-A-K-A. And if you want to know where that name comes from, it's entirely made up. I thought it was funny. Well, you wanted to make it hard for people to find you. I guess just, <laughs> just, 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 just... I do actually like anonymity. I only have a little bit of it, but having a name that entertains me helps. I love it. Hey, it's been such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. I've really had a great what time. What a pleasure. To you. Elaine Chacon Brown, there's so much to read that she's contributed. So um, you, you could make at least a year of it, maybe the rest of your life. I have no idea. Um, lie down while you do it. Lie down while you do it. Hey, we're going to talk about uh, seeing wine country, both in the U.S. and in New Zealand. New Zealand wine country, amazing. But we're going to do that next when we return with Grape Encounters Radio. Stay with me. Remember, as much as you may love wine, it is not the answer to your problems. Unless the problem is you're out of wine. Your Grape Encounter with David Wilson will continue right after these important messages. You don't have a problem with that, do you? time or any animals harmed during the making of today's show. However, countless grapes were crushed and mutilated. This is Grape Encounters Radio. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio. I am on the line with uh, one of my favorite guests of all time, and he is uh, coming to us all the way from New Zealand, Dave Simmons. And he is the CEO of My Way, which is, I don't know if they're not the biggest motorhome company in the world. They're pretty darn close. We've been talking about California Wine Month. And, you know, one of the drags about California Wine Month is that some of these events are so popular that it's hard to get a, a hotel room sometimes. But Dave has a solution because they have a brand new program. They launched, I think it's, what, Dave, about a, about a year ago, right? Yeah, that's right, uh, David. Hey, thanks for having me back. Great to be back with you and uh, excited to be uh, talking to you about California Wine Month. So let's talk about your company, okay? The company is My Way, and that's spelled M-I-G-H-W-A-Y. You created this program and launched it in California, and it is so amazing because what it is is kind of, I, I guess we could equate it to a, it's like an Airbnb, but with motorhomes. And That's you right. can get just about any motorhome you could want. Absolutely. It's a fantastic way to explore vineyards, uh, David. You can picture pulling up at the vineyard, having a few wines, a bit of food, enjoying the entertainment, and then just going back to the van and uh, and parking up for the evening. You don't have to worry about uh, getting back in your car and have you had too much to drink and then finding accommodation, which is always so difficult when you're uh, you're going up into that wine country area. So certainly an RV is a fantastic way of uh, exploring the wine region, uh, particularly during this busy time uh, of, uh, of California Wine Month. If you've had a little bit much to drink, you just, you don't go anywhere. It's a great way of, uh, of operating. And we just recently partnered up with a fantastic business called Harvest Hosts, which is a unique yeah. network uh, where uh, if you join it, you can stay actually stay in the vineyards overnight, which is uh, a wonderful experience. Imagine waking up uh, in your RV, pulling the curtains, and looking out over the vineyard. Some of the units that you guys have are just sensational, right? We've got a wide range of uh, units, uh, David, uh, from... Uh, you're the very smallest of uh, trailers that you can tow through to the biggest eight classes, uh, you know, worth uh, millions of dollars with big slide outs that kind of feel like they're uh, more of a, a resort on wheels. But lots of uh, vehicles in between. What we tend to find the most popular ones tend to be the smaller C class vehicles, uh, particularly for those. 
folks who uh, haven't driven an RV before. We're going to be doing uh, one of the first events for California Wine Month. It's going to be Wine Song in Mendocino County. To my way of thinking, really, this is one of the best events out there. And one of the really cool things is that a bunch of New Zealand wineries and the New Zealand Wine Growers Association and others have gotten together and they're going to be there side by side with the wines of Mendocino County and showcasing these wonderful New Zealand wines. And of course, New Zealand makes great Pinots and Mendocino County makes great Pinots. So what a great opportunity to taste these wines side by side. And there's going to be an auction lot because this is a fundraiser. It's a four night stay in Auckland for two at the Hilton Auckland, a three night stay in Marlborough for two at the uh, Villa Maria, three night stay in Central uh, Otago for two at uh, Burn Cottage Retreat, two dinners at Auckland, the Sugar Club and the Grove, tasting the lunch at Villa Marina. It goes on and on and on. Oh, my word. You don't get any better than uh, those locations you're talking about. Central Otago for the Pinots, Marlborough, fantastic Sugar Club here in Auckland. What a fantastic prize for uh, for someone to win. They're going to go take a day trip to uh, Wahiki Island. Wahiki Island, fantastic. And then there's, uh, let's see, Brancott Estate Winery, Alan Scott, 12 Trees. Is it Grey Wack or Grey Walk? Grey Walk, I think, from memory. Grey Walk, yes. They get to do a masterclass tasting at Amosfield, an exclusive oh. uh, tour and tasting at Felton Road Winery, tour and private tasting at Ripon, dinner at Mount wow. Difficulty, inter island flights. Oh my gosh, and all personally guided. No and they way. get, get 2000 And they get 2000 bucks. Field and Central Otago, just the, the best that you'll ever get. But fantastic that they are embracing uh, their friends from New Zealand and, uh, and creating that opportunity. I'm telling you something. I have a brick and mortar wine shop and I can only tell you, Dave, that New Zealand wines, I can't keep on the shelf. It's ridiculous. You buy wines from New Zealand, you will never be disappointed. Never, never, never. And if you're disappointed, send the wine to me and I'll drink it and I'll I'll pay you for it. You know, <laughs> silliness. Okay, so with the My Way program, you can stay on vineyard properties, you can stay on farms, you can stay on really, really interesting acreages. It's it's going to be an amazing opportunity for you. Okay, so for California and also for New Zealand, tell people where they go to get the information. And do you have to book a long time in advance or can you do something fairly short, short notice? Go to myway.com, that's M-I-G. H-W-A-Y, myway.com, uh, and simply type in where you want to go, when you want to go, and we bring back all the vehicles that we have available. You can book last minute. You can book to pick up a van tomorrow, and away you go. Uh, but yeah. um, uh, obviously, the longer out, uh, the more lead time you have, uh, the more range of vehicles yeah, that you, you have yeah. access yeah. to. But uh, nothing's stopping you. If you want to get away in the weekend, then uh, go on the site. If you need some help, give us a call. We've got uh, your teams of people uh, who can help you through that selection process as well. All we're really focusing on is getting you out on the road and having a great, uh, great experience. Oh, I think it's a great, I think so it's, it's myway.com. I think New Zealand, and I can tell you folks uh, for sure that I have had friends who have done New Zealand wine country by RV, and I am told it's the very best way to see New Zealand wine country and New Zealand in, in, in general. Let's put it to you this way. It's either my way or the highway. Highway, that's <laughs> very good, David. That's exactly right. I'm a little biased, of course, but um, uh, I 100% agree with you. you know, genuinely speaking, there is no better way of getting around uh, New Zealand and exploring the wine country down here than uh, taking your time. We go slow and savor and, and do it in a my way uh, vehicle uh, and, and meet some of the local owners down here and uh, all that local experience that comes with that. So as I would love to see some of your uh, your listeners uh, coming down and uh, and sharing uh, some of uh, what we have to offer down maybe, here in New Zealand as well. Maybe we'll do a listener rally. 
in um oh, in New Zealand. Now we're talking something. Yeah, a caravan. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah, we'll, like we'll a, finish a, it up a, down in Amersfield uh, for a degustation station <laughs> yeah. down in Central Otago. It'll be. A, I can picture that already. How many do you think we could get? Oh, I don't know. We can get a hundred. Let's let's have a caravan of a hundred. Let's shoot for that. Let's go for that. How much fun would that be? Okay, I'll foot the bill. It's on me. <laughs> Maybe not. All right. Hey, David. He's a great guy. <laughs> David Simmons, it's so nice to have you on. And if you want to listen to more with David Simmons, we're going to have him on our brand new podcast, The Wine is Talking at thewineistalking.com. So we'll have a little bit more information over there. But in the meantime, it's uh, myway.com, right? That's exactly right. Thanks very much for having me, David. It's always uh, a David, pleasure to catch pleasure. up with you. Yeah, I always love talking to you. Definitely uh, later this year, I think we're going to be heading out in a My Way vehicle. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters Day. What a day. What a show. What a world we live in. We'll see you here next week. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.